Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to another exciting post-pounding episode of SFP Now. Um, today's guest, we have a very special guest lined up today in the form of uh, Jason Day, um, who is um, a pretty well-known stuntman. Actually, he's well-regarded stuntman. He's um, done stunts in shows such as Arrow, um, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, but I don't think he's going to want to talk too much about that. I don't know. <laughs> I might ask him about that. Um and he's also, um, he's, he's in a new film with Dwayne Johnson, which, uh, which is called Skyscraper. And um, he, he gets to beat up Dwayne Johnson. So um, as far as I'm concerned, anyone that gets to beat up Dwayne Johnson has got to be pretty cool. So without further ado, we're going to bring Jason Day on. I'd like to welcome a stunt performer turned actor, Jason Day, to the show. He's doing a lot of exciting stuff um, at, at the moment. Uh, welcome to the show, Jason. It's great having you on. Uh, thanks, Ian. I uh, appreciate you having me on today. It's, it's cool. I'm really, I'm really happy to have you on. It's going to be, um, you know, I'm re- really being excited about this uh, for most of this week, you know, because it's, uh, you've, been in, you've done a lot of stuff that I happen to watch and enjoy. You know, that's on the television. I love, I love the action genre as well as the science fiction and superhero genre, and uh, you've, you've done all of that. So it's really, it's really cool. But getting, getting to, getting to the beginnings of it. It says in your bio that you actually grew up in Alberta, uh, yeah. which I've got to say it has some gorgeous countryside from what I've seen on the TV. Uh, what, what was it like to grow up there, and, and, and did the outdoors life kind of prepare you in any way for, 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 for the stunt work that you do? I mean, uh, I grew up on a small farm kind of in the middle of uh, nowhere at the base of the uh, kind of Rocky Mountain foothills. So uh, I, I had a very kind of, I guess, humble and, and uh, small town upbringing. Um, it, I guess when I was a kid, I didn't appreciate just how beautiful that, the country was. But looking back and, um, you know, I, I get homesick all the time when my parents sent me photos of uh, the farm and sunsets and uh, the prairies it's um yeah it, it was a very great good place to grow up at and uh you know growing up on the farm i, I think you know just the physicality of uh, day-to-day life um may have may have prepared me a little bit for you know the career path i've taken 
Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a it's beautiful countryside, and you know, you got you got so much going on in the outdoor life there as well. I mean, I'd, I'd actually love to visit Alberta from from what I've seen on 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 the TV and and various movies that are being filmed there. Oh yeah, it, the the film industry is definitely uh, taken off there. It's just it, you can't beat some of the scenery. I mean, you have the Rocky Mountains right there. You have uh, you know massive wheat fields everywhere. It's um, yeah, and then, and then obviously in the winter, yeah, <laughs> you have the snow and the uh, the ski hills and that. And, uh, so it, it lends itself to many uh, genres in the, in the film industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it that actually appealed to you about doing stunt work? And are there any heroes in the form of past stunt performers turned actors that, that are a particular inspiration to you? Um, it was it was a good um, for me to get into stunts was a good transition from uh, being a professional fighter. It was you know you have the same physicality and the same training and the same discipline. Uh, it takes to be a fighter. Uh, it transfers well into the stunt world, so it's kind of a natural progression for me. Um, and I've been very, very fortunate to make uh, the break into it. Um, you know, I, there's there's a couple guys here in Vancouver that are, that have made the transition from uh, stunts into acting. Um, you know, Daniel Cudmore. Cudmore he uh, he actually played Colossus in the X Men. He's done well. Uh, Dan Payne uh, is another stunt guy that turned that turned actor. So, I mean, there's a few guys here that uh, definitely paved the way. Um, cool. Um, so you, you, you started out as a, was you an, an MME fighter or something? Mixed martial artist? Yeah, mixed martial arts. I fought for um, the better part of a decade uh, until I was about 33 years old. Uh, and then at that time, I started transitioning into, into stunts after uh, uh, my career ended. Uh, this, that's so cool. I'm going to have to ask my uh, my nephew because, about you because he, he loves mixed martial arts. He, he watches it all the time. So, oh yeah, you know he. he it's been a, it's been a few years since I've been in the in the cage. So uh, mm. <laughs> hopefully he remembers me. I, I think he probably will. He's been watching it for uh, for about probably ten fifteen years now. Um, okay. He, he does martial arts himself, uh, but he you know. He's actually um, in in the um, in the army, so you know he kind of he's kind of very physical guy himself. Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> um, looking through the work, you know, you know your work that 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 you've done, you've done quite a bit on the uh, CW shows um, in terms of in terms of stunts and stuff like that. And you've actually appeared in three, I think. You've appeared in Arrow. You did you did some Arrow last year. You did Legends of Tomorrow. And you also did the Flash, um, I think. Yeah. Could you, could you tell, yeah. talk talk us through a little of what what you've done in those in those um, in those shows from 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 the stunt point of view? Uh, man, I, it's funny. I've I've done <laughs> so so much different things on all the shows, and then also Supergirl's uh, shooting here now too. So uh, I did some work on that. Um, you know, mo- most of the time I'm playing uh, a bad guy that's about to die. Or get thrown through glass, or or something. You know, the joke is if you see one of one of the stunt guys on screen, you know, uh, somebody's about to die. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it's uh, I've I've got to do such a wider wide um, array of stunts. Uh, one of those shows, they're the action packed. I mean, they, if they're making a name for themselves here. Uh, as far as the CW, they're just they're blowing it out of the water. I mean, I think Arrow's in season six or seven now. Mm-hmm. I could be you know misquoted, but uh, 
it's it's been a, it's been a blast. They're, they're definitely fun shows to work on. Yeah, well, I think Arrow. You're right. Arrow is in season six now, but they've actually got it listed um, as ha- already having a seventh season on IMDb. So I'm kind of assuming oh, yeah. that means they've been picked up already for another season after this year. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're, they're great shows, and uh, I've got to say, the stunt work throughout all the shows is just fantastic and fabulous to watch. Um, and it's come a long way since the 90s as well, because I, I remember watching sort of various stunt fights in the 90s, and you could tell that they were put, you know, how far they were pumping away on the punches in some of, some of those shows back then. You don't, you don't see that now. Yeah, I mean... Um... Yeah, I think stunts have, have come a long way in the last, uh, you know, couple of decades. Uh, the camera work, you know, the people are getting a lot better with the camera work with stabilizers and uh, doing a lot of handheld shots. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just like any, uh, I guess, any any trade. It's just it gets better over time and people develop uh, better techniques. And uh, it's, just, it's uh, you know, the more you do it, uh, the, the better the better you're going to become at it. Mm-hmm. Now your uh, your big role this year was Buana Beast in the episode of Freak Show um, on Legends of Tomorrow, um, <laughs> and um, uh, how, how did you find actually returning to that show, but this time as an actor as opposed to a stunt farmer? How, how different was the experience for you? Uh, you know, it's 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 the same to me. I mean, I think um, having the, the the stunt background and being being uh, on set all the time definitely. Um, plays it plays a huge part in being comfortable on set when you get to do the acting roles and uh, being able to deliver your lines. Um, you just you feel at home uh, as a stunt guy. You're always on set. You know who who all the you know the first AD, the second AD. You know who the director is, um, and it just it, it definitely makes uh, the acting roles easier and uh, it makes it a smooth transition into those. And it was it was it was, it was fun playing Duana Beast. I mean, it was a different. Uh, it was different because all I obviously had was a loincloth to wander around on set in, but <laughs> yeah, we had that. Cool, it, 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 it was fun though. You had that cool mask on though. You know that mask was really cool. <laughs> yeah, they did a great job recreating the character. I mean, um, I uh, to be honest, I didn't know too much about the character when they brought it to me, and then I started looking at it, at him, and uh, it's, it's very cool. Uh, they did a, they did a great job in recreating him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a quick look uh, before, um, you know, and um, I think I think he's popped up in Batman the Brave and the Bold, and he's also been in the comic books as well, so, you know. Yeah. So, um, but we didn't we didn't see the Beast die, so uh, does that mean that we could see you return? Would you want to return? You know, in uh, in the TV land, anything's possible. I definitely, uh, I would, I'd love to see him come back. They haven't mentioned anything to me. Uh, you know, I put the bug in the writer's ear and the producers, and uh, you, you never know. You know, I, I, I'm not holding my breath, but I, I'd, I'd love to bring it back uh, early next year or something like that. And um, you know, you, you never know. You, you could bring it. You could. You could be. A, um, they could bring him back to be a regular on the show. Well, I, I'll <laughs> I think keep, that might be wishful thinking. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you, and I do know that these are. You know, there's quite a, quite a lot of fans that I'd like to see him come back. Um, because you know he, he's, he, you know, there's been a lot of a, uh, you know, since seeing you in 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 the role, there's been been quite a lot of chatter about it from from the oh. forums and stuff. So, you know, oh, that's cool. I'll have to have to d- dig into it a little bit more. Um, now that I'm, I, I got a little bit, little bit of free time on my hands, I can I can sit back and <laughs> and and do some investigating. 
Yeah, it's wonderful having free time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, another series you featured in that 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 we that we also enjoy here is a um, timeless um, in which you played um, a Pinkton detective. Uh, what was that like for you? Um, uh, it was good. I mean, it was it was a short little gig for me, but uh, it, it was fun. Um, Scott Atia was the stunt coordinator on that one, and uh, he's a, he's a good guy to work for. So, um, yeah, it, it was a, it was a neat show to work for work on. And they, unfortunately, I think they went back to LA this year. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I I won't get to do it again. But you never know; they they could come back. It's it's some shows bounce back and forth between here and LA, and uh, you, you never know. Um, well, you know, it might might come back. Uh, I mean, it got it got cancelled, but then it got picked up again at the eleventh hour. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Campaign, right yeah. So, um, you know, I I think it'd be cool. Um, how, how did you how did you uh, deal with the period dress? I mean, because obviously Pinkerton detective. Yeah, yeah it's, well, that's kind of the cool thing about uh, you know any any show you're on. Uh, you always got some crazy outfit on. It, I I thought those. Uh, those outfits were pretty cool. I mean, some of the stuff you could wear today, um, <laughs> like the pants, the pants, and the the hat was the was um, something you probably wear today. But um, you know, it, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it, it was, a, it was a great, great wardrobe. I think, I think one reason a lot of people become actors is so they can wear lots of hats. <laughs> <laughs> that, might, that might, that might be true. You know, I got, I got to wear the wannabe hat and then the Pinkerton hat. Yeah, so you know, you know, you 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 you've had some pretty cool hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good year, good year for hats. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing you've been working on recently is the film Skyscraper, which stars Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, what can you tell us about the film, and uh, what what was it like uh, having the chance to uh, duke it out with the Rock? Oh man, it w- what a surreal experience! Um, I can't say too much about the film. Uh, as you know, I can't give anything away, but, um, just working with Dwayne was, uh, uh, yeah, so hard to describe it was such a surreal thing. I mean, once you get to know him though, he's one of the boys, he's a, he's a really nice guy and, um, he's there to get the job done and work hard and wants things realistic. And, um, you know, it was a pleasure to work with him and, uh, I can see why everybody, everybody loves uh, to be around him. He's just, his, his energy is, um, amazing. He, you know, when when I've seen him in interviews and and whatnot, he he, he always seems very positive, very upbeat, and uh, you know, I, I'd imagine he'd be really fun to hang around with and work with. Yeah, you know, um, we didn't get to, we didn't get too much time with him um, on this. I mean, he's such a busy guy. He's got so many projects on the go. Uh, you know, he's doing his Under Armour thing, and he's got it's he, the guy is just. Man, like, I don't know how he does it. He, he he must have a couple extra hours in a day because he's got so many movies going on. And um, yeah, so but when we did get to hang out with him on set, I mean, he is a good guy. He genuinely cares um, about the people he's working with. I um I had twins uh, during the show, and uh, he, you know, you could actually see he was so excited for me to become a father, and um, you know, actually actually learned my boys' names and. Uh, every every time every time we come to set, they ask me how they're doing, and so he is he is definitely a, a genuine good guy. Yeah, well, that's awesome that you've had twins. Congratulations! That's that's really mm-hmm. great to hear. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's it's been absolutely amazing. 
Um, now, given given that Dwayne Johnson's got a background as a wrestler, I'd imagine that he'd be he he'd be as knowledgeable as most stunt people about the action work. But uh, what was he like to work with as an actor? Did you did you get any advice um, from him about transitioning in into acting? Uh, no, I didn't get um, I didn't get to chat with him too much about the, the acting world and that, but. Um he, you know, uh, he would be a good guy to chat about because he has taken, you know, he's just exploded. He's, he's taken his wrestling career and, and transitioned into just this massive, uh, you know, he's, he's a Hollywood icon now. He's he's probably the number one guy in Hollywood as far as movies are going right now. Well, yeah, I, I don't agree with you, but I've actually seen probably several of his films this year. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, I mean, I think the last one I seen with him in was the uh, latest Fast and the Furious one with, uh, yeah. you know, and um, you know, he, you know, since he's come into those films, they've kind of like improved immensely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think they're doing a. I see they're doing a spinoff now. He's getting kind of uh, Hobbs and I can't remember, but he, I think him and Statham are having a spinoff movie from from the Fast and Furious now. So it's. Um, yeah, man, he just, he takes things and runs with it. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you say is the most dangerous thing you've ever had to perform? Um, that's, you know, it's, that's, it's, it's tough because it, everybody, you know, stunts gets the, you know, reputation of being dangerous, but every, everything, you know, the stunt coordinators, the performers, everybody takes such... Uh, detailed precautions to make the things as as safe as possible. I mean, probably the most dangerous thing I've done is uh, uh, a jump over a gap. Um, you know, any anytime you're you're jumping over a gap to uh, um, with where there's no pads below is, you know, it, you know you can make it, but uh, if you, you slip or or something like that, things things can go wrong. But for the most part. Um, I've been I've been very fortunate and uh, never had any injuries or anything go wrong on set. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean I, I can I can get where you're coming from about jumping over the gap. The trick is not to look down, right? <laughs> it's kind of yeah, look at the other it, side. The trick is to keep your eyes forward and uh, you know spot your landing. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's probably one of the coolest looking gags I've got to do. Um, it was in a movie called Dark, so hopefully that that, that comes out in the next year or so, and like. Uh, uh, brag about that one. Cool. Well, you've been doing the uh, you've been you've been transitioning from stunts to acting for a while now. Um, is there actually a dream role that you'd like to play, or a series, or a movie franchise that you'd love to be a part of? Uh, you know what? I've always wanted to do uh, like a like a Braveheart. Uh, you know, something you know, an old period piece. Uh, you know, Bravehearts probably one of my favorite movies if not my favorite movie and to be able to do something like that i think would be a pretty cool experience cool that, that that'd be awesome you know I'm, I, yeah. I'm a fan of braveheart as well i also like the other one that he did the uh the patriot yeah you the know? patriot that's yeah, another good one it's funny i just watched that uh, i think last month um mm. but yeah that or uh, even uh gladiator you know uh, something like that set in ancient roman times uh those those kind of movies you know it's just it just be neat to be a part of it. To I feel like it'd be a time warp. Yeah, it's, it's kind of too bad you, you you missed your boat on Spartacus, which was a big TV series a few years back. That was a that was a really good one. 
Yeah, it was a good one. It's funny because the stunt coordinator uh, here on Skyscraper, he's the guy that did Spartacus, and he was telling us stories about it. And Yeah, it would, it would have been a great one to work on for sure. What would you say is the most unusual thing you've had to do so far as an actor? The most unusual thing? Yeah, as a stunt uh, or an actor. <laughs> you know what? Probably the wannabe character. Um, just, uh, you know, like I said, walking around on a loincloth cloth on set all day. Um, it was, <laughs> that's, you know, it was just a weird experience. Uh, you know, every take, taking, taking your clothes off and, uh, trying to, trying to, you know, look, look tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, 50 shades dark wasn't unusual because, you know, no, you know, it was, it was, it was a funny one to be a part of. It was good. We didn't do anything too crazy in that one. Um, you know, we, uh, I played a bodyguard, uh, to the two uh, leads in that, and uh, yeah, so we weren't around for any of the, the crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just sort of like, cause just, just trying to imagine you in, in Fifty Shades Darker and just thinking, you know, where, where, where's the action at? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, apart no, from yeah, the obvious. No, it's, uh, um, there's just a little bit of driving in that one, and uh, yeah, it, it was nothing, definitely nothing crazy on that one. Cool. Well, aside from Skyscraper, have there any other roles that you've booked uh, so far that you're now to talk about that, that you can sort of like, you know, just say you're in? Uh, I booked, um, there's a there's a kid's show actually called Mech X4. Cool. Uh, it's a Disney show and I, I booked uh, a kind of a cool character. He's this uh, crazy uh, MMA fighter that uh, gets in a fight with one of the main characters. So that, that was pretty cool because it kind of was a throwback to my, my fighting days. And uh, it was a little different because, you know, kid, kid shows it's a little, a little bit over the top with, uh, with the acting, I guess. And uh, it, was, it was really fun to be a part of that. I, I bet it was. Um, you know, that, you know, I mean, I, 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 did, I did fear to myself years and years ago. And uh, some, some of the best stuff you do is when you're working, work, when you're playing to, to an audience of kids, you know. Yeah, 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 because it's, it's fun, and it's actually, it, it was a blast working with the cast, um, you know, they're all, they're all pre-teens, uh, maybe into the 13-year-old, and um, to get to work with them, they're just, they're just so carefree, they just, you know, they just have fun on set, and, uh, you know, so it's a good, it's a good lesson to work with them, just to have fun with it. Okay, well, Jason, thanks for your time, thanks for speaking to us about uh, Buana Beast and uh, Skyscraper. Um, really looking forward to seeing you on Skyscraper and um, I also look forward to hopefully see Boana Beast again yeah <laughs> me and you both um, I, I, I really appreciate the time you taking the time to talk to me today oh no problem I've really enjoyed enjoyed the opportunity um, it's, no, thanks it's something again. that we don't get to do that often so you know thanks, thanks <laughs> for your time yeah thank you very much I appreciate it this is Mark Wade Hi, this is Amanda Tapping. Hello, I'm Steve Pugh. And you can catch them all right here on SFP Now. And I'd like to thank Jason Day for his time there. Uh, now it's time for our TV talk segment um, with Raisa. And boy, have we got a lot to talk about. Um, Raisa, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Good. I'm good. We've got a hell of a lot to talk about here because um, we've not done one of these in about a month because we've been doing sort of like a bit of standalone stuff here and there. Um, so what should we kick off with? Um, should we kick off with Doctor Who? Yeah, 
Let's go. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, since we um, since since we last uh, did one of these, we've had quite a bit of Doctor Who news uh, come out. Um, not to mention the uh, trailer which came out um, for the Christmas special uh, yesterday. We'll start with that and we'll work our way through, you know, from from the newer sort of stuff to the older stuff, right? Okay. So, have you seen the training yet for the Christmas? I've seen the clip that came out like yesterday or the day before. It was uh, the, uh, the first clip with uh, David David Bradley and uh, and Capaldi, and it looks epic. It looks wonderful. I, I I actually quite enjoyed the fact that the first Doctor didn't know who the um, other Doctor was, and goes, "Oh, you yes. <laughs> I thought I was actually quite funny. Um, yes. because um, usually when you have the multiple Doctor stories, they they, they, they know who, who each other are, mm-hmm. you know, because because we've not really had the benefit of um, the first Doctor popping up that often. Um, no, but I think I think what that is, apart from anything else, is a sort of meta acknowledgement of the fact that the regeneration conceit only came about at the last minute because of Hartnell's health problems. So he, so he wasn't really involved in that process in the same way that subsequent actors who played the doctor were. So it's sort of a, a, sort of a, a meta acknowledgement. Yeah. I mean, I, I just thought it was, I thought it was funny and he goes into the TARDIS and goes, Oh my God, this is my TARDIS. Oh. <laughs> is it, it, it is, there is a wide gulf between the current TARDIS and the original. I actually prefer the original. So, well, I like for the original. I mean, the TARDIS is something really in the in the classic show. It didn't really change a great deal from from the very very first series right 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 way through to the last episode that they that, that they did. Before no, they, they would did. they would tweak it, but there were not you know overarching changes like the ones we've gotten in the in the modern series. And frankly, I like the classic TARDIS is better. And and also um, the the the, um, the the classic TARDIS it had two console rooms because for a while yes. Tom Baker was using a different console room which was more gothic looking. Yes, he was. And then he then he reverted back to the uh, to the one that we are now and I mean, I to be honest, when they when they changed when they when they brought Dot Two back, I didn't like the first TARDIS design at all. I, I just no, it, it. it took me a while to get used to it. Um... I got used to it, but I never liked it. No, no. Um, and I, not enough roundels for a start. Yeah, and, and the round things, yeah. Yeah. The round things weren't there. Yeah. And, and that, that, that was such um, an iconic piece of Doctor Who, as was seeing his face in the opening credits. When, yes. You know, obviously they didn't have that in the first series with William Hartnell, but they got that in with Troughton's Doctor Who. Yes, and, yeah, again, yeah. that was a, that was an, that was a, that was a, a last-minute change when they realised what, what their new... Um, uh, internal logic was going to have to be, yeah. So I, I think I, I didn't really like those changes they made for the, for the, uh, for the modern series, but I've kind of lived with them. Um, yeah. I kind of pretty much lived with everything else um, up until this point. And uh, and to be honest, I think Powdy is probably the best doctor that they that they've had, second only to to Christopher Eccleston. Who... Yes, in terms of performance, those have been those were the two best. Um, my biggest issue is that the best doctor they had, which was Capaldi had crap writing. I wish he'd had stronger writing. But I don't think Moffat was focusing um, to the same extent by the time he was writing for Capaldi, which is sad. Because Capaldi is a is a really good actor. He's a really good actor. Mm, I think the problem was, is, uh, you know, I, I don't think Moffat is as strong as a producer as he is a writer. And uh, I think what happened is when he started having to wear both hats as writer and producer, I think his work kind of went down a little bit. So if you look at the scripts that he did in, in the um, in, in the run prior to him becoming an executive producer, I think those were stories. Those were brilliant classics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. those were classic. Stronger. They're much stronger stories than, yeah. than you know. 
and 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 I think that 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 is that that is the problem um, and has been the problem sort of thing. Um, yeah. But talk, talking which, let's move on to the uh, to the new costume that's that's come out a couple of days. It's been out a few weeks now, I think. Yes. The new yeah. costume for Jodie Whittaker's Doctor, and it seems to be harking a little bit back to the days of a. Uh, it's. Kind of, it's very connected. It's got a bit of everything. It's got a bit of the um, of the tenth Doctor with the long sort of like trench coat type thing. Yeah, and it's got and it's got the and it's got the suspenders and trousers of the second Doctor, and the and the color and the design on her shirt is kind of a nod to the fourth Doctor. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a lot of stuff going on there. You know, and a lot of people criticising it, saying that it looks kind of too eighties. I'm sort of thinking, so what? I mean, you know, she can wear a jean, she can wear jeans and a leather jacket for as far as you know, as far as I'm concerned. You know, yeah, it's, I'm worried about it's it's, it's, it's what she is once the character's up and running. That's that matters. You know, that, yeah. that that's that's my that's my thing because you know the, the costume that they wear. I don't really, I don't know why they make such a big deal of it because it sort of like changes every year slightly anyway. Yes, and plus, modern doctors tend to wear more than one outfit anyway. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I can't wait till we see her in period costume, you know, where she's got a, are we going to see her in a hoop skirt, you know, or are we going to see her as a flapper, you know, how, how is that going to work in, in terms of the full-on period costume? Mm-hmm. You know, so. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sort of like, uh, you know, with the costume thing, I'm not that bothered, and I, I think... I think the uh, the media and the fans make way too big a deal about the costume. I think I think part of that is because there's so many cosplayers now. They want to know what they're going to be cosplaying. Yeah, and yeah. I, I guess that I guess that is that 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 is that is actually a valid point. Uh, I mean, personally, I wouldn't be caught dead walking around with what uh, Colin Baker wore. Oh God, no! Well, Colin Baker didn't want to be caught dead wearing what Colin Baker had to wear. So. And Colin Baker's another guy, a bit like Howdy, a fantastic actor. He just got dogged with really bad scripts. And uh... yeah, well, that's, well, that's because that's because Grade had a hate on for him. Mm-hmm. There was some behind the scenes crap going on. Yeah, then, Grade so. had nothing to do with the scripts, so Grade. Yeah, oh, that's true. To be honest, uh, the scripts in, in Doctor Who didn't start improving until Andrew Cartmill came on, and then it kind of like, and that was sort of like toward the end, toward yeah. the end, sort of like too little, too late, sort of thing. Yeah, um, but. Um, you know, as far, as far as the cosplay is concerned and stuff like that, you know, I, I don't think they've got much to worry about because the costume's going to change anyway. Yeah, yeah. And as long as, and as, long as there's something there for everybody, because the, the advantage of having three companions, too, is that they'll have more cosplaying opportunities, depending on which companion you take to. Yeah, which can actually, that's actually a brilliant segue as well. Um, yes. Another thing people are bitching about is the fact that we've got three companions. Um, I say take a chill pill because the Doctor had three companions in the early days. And it's yes. Actually, it's actually the, a good thing. Yeah, the, the only problem I have with three companions is there's there's the capacity for the Nyssa syndrome, where Nyssa, who was my favorite, who was one of my favorite classic companions and sorely underused, was sorely underused because she wasn't written for, and they and they kind of shuffled her away and focused on other companions. And I'm hoping that they're not going to use multiple companions as an excuse to sort of hide the companion that they that they discover they don't know how to write for. Well, That's the downside. To be honest, you're talking about an era of Doctor Who where the companions under Doctor wasn't written particularly well anyway. That's true. 
you know, it's all like because uh, you know when Davison got got to, towards towards the middle of his season, towards the middle of his time, the script writing was going downhill um, to, to such an extent that they actually had to bring Bob Holmes back to write a few scripts. Yeah, you know, and and then 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 he died. You know, shortly after doing the uh, the two doctors with Colin Baker and and stuff like that, it was just sort of like uh, that period of Doctor Who. I mean, I I didn't really like any of the companions from that era. I adored I adored Nissa, but that's only that's only because I understood what she could have been, and and Big Finish understood the value of Nissa because they've given her some great scripts. But that's Big Finish; they had they've had a luxury that the classic series didn't have. Uh, I mean, she, she, she had a great role in Spare Parts. Oh my God, that was awesome. She was awesome in spare parts, and that's that's still my favourite Big Finish to this day. But that's because that's the one that introduced me to Big Finish. So I guess I'll always have a soft spot for spare parts. But yes, we've got, we've got three new we've got three new companions. One of them's played by Bradley Walsh. Um, I actually I actually liked him in, in Law and Order UK. So. Yeah, Bradley Walsh is it's it's a funny one because sort of like uh, he he's uh, one of these entertainers which is diverse. He's quite diverse in that he can act and he can front game shows. And uh, he's older John Barrowman, basically. Yeah, I've seen him in a you know he was actually in an episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures and he was really oh that's really right cool. yeah. yeah. So I, I I've got no I've got no worries about Bradley Walsh whatsoever. Although I do know that a lot of people have, but it's because a lot of people are just familiar with him as a game show host. Uh, you know, so like uh, those people obviously weren't fans of Laura and Order or, or yeah. seen him. Yeah, and I I don't have any problems with the others. Be simply even even if they're just soap actors, because Jenna Coleman was a soap actress, and even though I didn't like what they did with her character, I never had issues with her performance. So you know, Jenna Coleman, she came up on Emmerdale. Uh, she, you know, she's she's moved on from soap to drama. She now plays a young Queen Victoria, I, which I love. I love I love that series. So she's she's good. She's good. I, I like the Crown better on on, uh, on Netflix. I watch both. That's a much so. better show. Um, yeah. But you know, we've got Tossing Cole. I've never heard of her. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the uh, uh, the the lady uh, Mandip Mandip Gill. That's that's probably the most. Mm, yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't heard of any of them except for Bradley Walsh. So it's kind it's kind of a funny name, that isn't it? Mandip. If you split it up, if you split it up into two words, it's Mandip. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, you know, so like Joe, Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor is going for a bit of a mandip. Oh, God. You know, sorry, bad, bad, bad pun. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy for them to, for them to be three companions if the writing is good and if you can actually yeah. make it as good as it was. For me, the best time when the Doctor had three companions was sort of like uh, a Hartnell and Troughton era. Yes, that's when yeah, that's, that's when they knew what they were doing. Yeah, that is when it worked, and um, it kind of works a little bit because you know you had the Doctor Sarah Jane and Harry. And oh, that was I. Lo- I loved Harry. I'm sorry they didn't. They weren't able to do more with Harry. Yeah, then you had the Doctor K Nine and Romana, and the Doctor K Nine Romana too. Doctor K Nine and Nina. Romana, yes, yes. You know? um, so it, it can work, and um, yes, you know it can be done. And it, it, it's something you know. I don't think the fans should be concerned about it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm a bit worried about your concerns about Chris Chibnall because uh, before you start up on that, uh, Chris Chibnall actually did show run the second season of Torchwood, which was actually much better than the first season. It was. It was much better. Um, you know, I think part of my part of my problem is that um, I regard the Big Finish era of Torchwood as such an improvement over all of it, with maybe the exception of Children of Earth. 
that I'm sort of I'm sort of biased. So um, yeah, so Chibnall Chibnall could work because he's because I, I think he and, he and the other advantage is he's not he's not show running multiple series. I mean Chibnall's whole big thing was I need you I need Moffat to do the Christmas special because I'm getting I need to finish up Broadchurch. He wanted to finish one show before he started another, so he's not going to be running multiple shows like Moffat was with Sherlock. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be an improvement right there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, to be honest, um, you know, Shibnall is also he's also gone on the record saying that it was his idea to have a female doctor. Yes, um, and I'm going to withhold judgment until I see what he gives us. So. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to do the same with Jodie Whittaker, though. You know, the stuff that I've seen her in, I've not really been bowled over by her, if I'm completely uh. honest. Um, but that's basically partly because I kind of wanted uh, an older woman to play the Doctor. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I, frankly, I, frankly, I was, I was hoping and hoping and hoping that they would get Tilda Swinton, but they're not going to. They're, they were never going to get Tilda Swinton. She's a hog, she's too Hollywood. Um, uh-huh. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I think Helen Mirren would be a good doctor. Who. She would, she would, and Helen Mirren might, might even be up for it if they asked. Um, so. I don't think she would because again she's too she, you know, she's she's so like she's I don't think Hanger Mirren wants to be tied down to another series somehow. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. But I, I think she she would have been a good good enough actress actress to do to the role justice. Yes. Yeah. I mean there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of concerns online that uh, you know Chibnall's trying to appeal to the SJWs and whatnot and uh, and 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 third wave feminism and, and all, all this shit. Um, but what she might be trying to do, I don't know. So I'm off to see. I don't know. I mean, sort of like uh, the, the the big big thing will be in the writing. I think what I, what I think what he needs to do to put that sort of thing to bed is maybe yeah. have a prominent time lord regenerate from female into a male. Yes, and that yes. will put that sort of thing to bed. Yes. You know? um, and um, I know that there's probably going to be people uh, listening right now that are going to be screaming sexist, misogynist because I'm saying you know. But you know, tough. Yeah, <laughs> that's my yeah. opinion. I, I happen to agree with you. As long and, and if it's Romana who regenerates into a man, as long as they don't call her Roman, I'm fine. They need to just name her Fred. Well, you know that that, that was kind of a fun thing because she 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 said, "Oh, just call me Fred." Yeah. yeah. So, so if they if they regenerate into her, she's just she's just Fred. Mm-hmm. You know. So if they did that, I'd be fine. I'm not, I'm not calling her a Roman. That doesn't work. And, and I think what she, I think what they should do if it's Romana, I think they should actually have her regenerate so, several times, and you know, have her regenerate into several different women's bodies before she goes into a bloke's body. So as, do, a, so as, of, as an homage, you know, to that original scene. Yeah, yes, as a homage yeah. to the original scene, and and, and kind of like a backhanded homage to Douglas Adams as well. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because a lot of fans don't really consider that regeneration as canon because it was Douglas Adams messing about. But I think they should just do it. I think yeah, they should. They should just do it. Because, yeah. you know, it's been so long now. It's been 50-odd years and we're getting our first female Doctor Who. So, uh-huh. so if they can give us our first female Doctor Who, they can give us our first Time Lord that can actually choose their regeneration and go through several before settling on one. <laughs> 
Yes, yes. And I think that I think that would actually, you know, that would actually lighten it all up, really. I think. And, um, yeah, and there was, and, and I think they tried to make it canon because when you when we go back to the night of the Doctor, that marvelous uh, webisode where Paul McGann gets his regeneration, um, the the priestess of Karn was saying, "You can pick. You know, if you drink this, you'll be a warrior. If you drink that, you'll be something else. If you drink that, you'll be a woman." Yeah, and, you uh, go back. You can go back earlier than that to the uh, to to the uh, doctor's wife where they talk. Oh, about that's right. Family. Yes, and they talked about the one with the tattoo. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you know they they kind of tried to bring it in as canon. Um. Whereas you know it wasn't necessarily canon or not canon before that because it never really been touched upon or talked about in the yeah, series. Yeah. And and that's where it's kind of like running into difficulties with a lot of the uh, you know with a lot of the sort of like people say, oh no we're watching now we've got a woman in it. Ooh. And I think oh god you know yeah it's a TV show not enough. yeah <laughs> you know but it's I. You know, it'd be interesting to see if she uses her Yorkshire accent or if she if she uses RP. I, I hope she uses Yorkshire. I like her accent. It's one of the things I like about her. Um, it, it's it's a good accent, and I I really appreciate the fact that the doc, the doctors are the actors who are playing the doctor now are allowed to use their native accents because uh, so many of the classic doctors when you when you when you talk to and you hear Tom Baker or uh, Colin Baker or Peter or Peter Davison they said you know would have loved to have used their native accents and they had to they had to use RP back then so having it be liberated like that where the where they can have uh, actors with different accents actually use those different accents is really cool yeah, it's not a bad idea, but you're kind of going to run into problems if you cast a Geordie as an Xbox Three like a Jodie Whittaker. Yeah, yeah. Because that, 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 that probably won't go over too well with the American market because, uh, you know, Cheryl Cole got kicked off the X Factor because in America because no one could understand the words she was flipping saying. Oh, and I think I think it's because I've spent so much of my childhood watching PBS back when PBS was BBC America before BBC America. I I'm, I can I can navigate most of the regional accents fairly well, mm-hmm. and I and I, I could you know at a fairly early age. So so we'll get our first glimpse of Jodie Whittaker in the uh, Christmas episode. Christmas special. In the yes. Next, in, in the last couple of minutes of the Christmas episode or the last minute, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that regeneration develops and how it happens, and uh, you know what. The and they're they're keeping up the tradition of letting of letting the new showrunner write the first scene for the new Doctor, even in the Christmas special. So it'll be Chidnall who writes that first scene. So we'll have a a, a good sense of you know, you know, of where he's starting with. I think I, I think what they should do to, to sort of like make get a little bit more is uh, you know not ginger sort of thing you know have the doctor oh my god boobs yes <laughs> you know stuff like that you know, yeah I just think that'd be so flipping funny <laughs> yeah yeah you know um, although you know it's probably funnier in my head than it is uh, than it would actually be on the screen but probably probably I, I it's, it's hard would, yeah you know I think the kids would love that. <laughs> You know, okay. Um, so, Dot Two, moving on to um, Star Trek. Do you, do you want to do Star Trek now, or do should we do DC and Marvel stuff? Well, we can do DC and Marvel. Yeah, let's do it. Let's save Star Trek to last. I think. Uh, okay. Um, before we discuss anything specifically about DC, I want to make a general statement because um, we can leave most of the DC stuff to our, our folks at uh, on uh, DC Action Hour in terms of the specific shows. 
But I would like to make a general statement about the um, the Andrew Kreisberg situation because um, I, I don't think Jeff and company are going to cover that much on on DC uh, Action Hour. Oh yeah, he's been he's been um, has he been suspended or something? Due to he's been suspended. Yeah, he's gone until they sort out what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah man. that's um, it's a bit unfortunate. But you know, if if the allegations um, of of him having um, actually you know done what 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 he's allegedly done, at, you know, do come to true, it's probably the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, they and they'll switch they'll switch they'll switch showrunners uh, easily enough. They'll figure it out. Um, what I would like to discuss, apart from the allegations themselves, because um, they've, they've been discussed ad nauseum, and various people have made various statements, which I stand with in terms of you know, supporting the, the folks who've been on the receiving end of these alleged activities. Um, what I would like to discuss is that when I was reading articles about what happened with Andrew Kreisberg, and you get to the comments section of those articles, mm-hmm. and you hear what the fans are, how the fans are actually reacting, there's a secondary problem in that whatever happens with the allegations themselves, and um, there's PR damage, yeah. which, which I... Which, which DC is going to have to cope with because the fans are talking about the fact that they're looking at characters on these various shows differently, uh-huh. and they're 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 looking at they're looking at um, they're looking at elongated man differently on the Flash. They're looking at Monel differently on Supergirl, and and their their um, tolerances for these characters are starting to go down even below where they were for the folks who didn't already like them. Yeah. And so they they've got a PR problem that that could effectively permanently damage. Um, character dynamics if they're not careful. I've got a feeling Supergirl's on borrowed time anyway. Well, they're probably going to have to keep it around simply because they're planning to do that whole idiotic, you know, DC streaming service thing. Mm-hmm. So they'll probably keep the shows around just so they can maintain content for that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the thing is, I mean, they're, they're talking about bringing Monel back. They're, they are going to bring him back in, if, if, if only to introduce the Legion of Superheroes, which... If, if he serves no other purpose than that, is a really good purpose to bring him back. Um, but if they if they keep him around uh, for very much longer, it's it could get very very ugly because the fans are not taking the whole uh, thing very well at all. Nor should they because this is this is ugly. And um, but the extent to which it actually bleeds through to perceptions of the show and the meta level stuff on the shows is a secondary problem that I frankly didn't don't think that anyone over there fully comprehends yet. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll see what happens when it when, whenever it happens if it actually does happen. I mean, and you know, to be honest, I don't want to bring Monel back uh, purely and simply because I think for me he ruined season two. He ruined season two for me too. If it hadn't been for the Martian, season two would have been unwatchable. Um, um, and to have to, and the fact that we're going to have to sit through pulling off the band aid where he comes back on in in this coming Monday's episode, it's going to be just. I can't. I can't even. I don't even have adjectives for it. I'm going to be basically be um, cringing through a lot of it. Not um, because they're basically putting the the emphasis on the wrong syllable. I mean, they shouldn't be talking about the the high school romance aspect of it. They should be talking about the fact that Monel got a chance to rebuild his world that Kara didn't have. You know, these are these are species that are coming off of extinction events, and they should be talking about all of this. You know, getting together as a couple relative to being remnants of an extinction event, and not you know the high the high school romance crap. So I mean, they're just they're, they're focusing on the wrong thing. 
things. So that's actually really interesting. Uh, for me, the weak point is um, I forget her name. She was in Buffy and all, all that stuff. What's her name? Oh, Amy, Amy Acker. Yeah, for me, the weak point is Amy Acker. But well, I've not uh, really been a fan of hers anyway, so it doesn't. Really I, I liked her. I liked her in Person of Interest. So yeah, she was good in Person of Interest, but you know, so like, uh, but. I, I, she, she, in this, she's playing a doting mother sort of thing, and it's sort of, mm. not. It, it kind of feels like it's 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 not really a challenge for her. Person with interest when when she's playing unhinged characters, she's great. But you know, yeah, yeah, she's not really unhinged in this. She's just playing a mom. Ah, uh, okay. It's not really uh, working, but I I I'm kind of liking it. It's a good show. I'm hoping it gets renewed. Because it's like uh, it's um, because it's um, it's certainly on a par with everything else. In fact, I I'd, I'd actually say it's better than some of the DC shows. Uh, probably. Uh, probably. In in terms of it, it the characterizations and situations and, and whatnot, um, the characters are likable. And you know, I'm kind of into it, so I'm hoping it gets renewed. Um, uh, if not, I'll be kind of disappointed, but not not overly disappointed because it is on Fox anyway. So. No, the Marvel show I'm kind of looking forward to is um, the um, what I'm getting from the, the bits and pieces of Agents of Shield this coming season look interesting. Yeah, when, when's Agents of Shield back? Uh, December first. December first. Oh, cool! So, so, so it's going to be running through Christmas by the way. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they their, their their production schedule got confluent this year. They didn't even make it to Comic Con. Their first their first Comic Con was actually New York Comic Con. So. Mm, that might actually uh, end up doing them a favour. In, in, it in might. Way. It might. I mean, it could hurt them as well, but could it could end up doing a favour. So well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, just if, if for no other reason than because it's got to be an improvement over Inhumans. Um, I, I, I won't belabor the point, but Inhumans, which I actually got all the way through, was unfortunate. I, um, I, I didn't get past episode one. Um, I couldn't watch it. Uh, the, the high point for me was the guy from Game of Thrones. I thought he was really good in it. But... He was he was really good, and Anson Mount, who played Black Bolt, was really good. And you know, because I'm an una- because I'm the unapologetic audience for anything that even vaguely resembles a super pet, I absolutely adored Lockjaw. But the rest of it was not cool. Yeah, well, I, I watched the first episode of that. Um, I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't really give it any more time after that. It was just, boring. it was just slow, boring, um, uninspired, and nothing really happened. You know. Um, yeah. I've seen soaps with more happening than that. I don't really yeah, I have soaps. to. I have to, and I don't even like soaps. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to Agents of Shield because you know, obviously, last year we had that great cliffhanger. Uh-huh. I really want to see where that goes. Yes. And plus, I like hanging with that three characters. They're kind of they're, they're they're interesting people, and I really like the fact that over the over the years they've actually developed into interesting people. Because um, season one did not hold very much promise for most of those characters, except for Coulson. Yeah. And. Uh, well, Seth Coulson, then they killed off the, uh, the character that we that, that me and you liked, and the, you know, I forget his name. Uh, they brought him back last season for that. that oh season. yes, um, um, oh, blanking, but it's, it's um, yeah, I'm blanking, Ward, yeah. Grant Ward, yeah. No, not Grant Ward. Oh, uh, Trip. Yeah, Trip. Trip. Uh, yeah, I missed him. I wish they could have him back. I, you know, I've got to be honest. I wasn't a fan of Grant Ward. Um, 
at all, to be honest. Uh, you know, too much of a stereotype. It's not going to do anything for me. Um, but, you know, that, that said, you know, he's been a part of it uh, for so many years. So it's logical that they bring him back now to Jay somehow. Yeah, the, the one thing I appreciated was the fact that they actually gave him an exit arc, which is more than they did um, for Siler on Heroes. Siler, they just overused. Um, Grant Ward was sort of the Siler of, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but they knew when to actually quit. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, me, um, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes and, and what happens. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of realistic in that this is probably going to be there next season. So. Probably is, yeah. You know, but That's okay, that's okay, though. It's it's okay because, they, you know, this will be their fifth season, and I think five seasons is actually pretty good for a show. Yeah, especially considering that the show was really only built to be a tie-in vehicle for the movies anyway, if we're realistic, so... And, and plus it was always, you know, it's always been on the cusp of cancellation every single year. Yes. You know, so it's done well to get back to reach five seasons. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, I, I think the, the reason it's lasted, the only reason it's lasted this long is because Marvel wouldn't let it be cancelled. So... Yeah. Um, so moving away from DC comic books and, and whatnot, we've got the librarians coming back on the 13th. Oh, thank you, God. That's the show I've been waiting on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's... Um, um, I, I've read somewhere this year that they're going to be, you know, they're going to be a bit more eclectic this year in terms of it's it, it's not going to be one 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 whole arc. I don't think mm, it is. It's okay. going to, it, they're going to be sort of dipping into different mythologies. Awesome. Uh, I also liked the fact that they're they're bringing in John Noble as one of the villains. So. Yeah, that, that 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 could work. That could be pretty good now that he's free of uh, Sleepy Hollow and, uh, and, and 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 that show. Yes. Um, yeah. So. Personally, I, I'd, I'd love for them to bring, you know, to somehow try and bring back the, uh, the guy that was a villain in the first season, Matt Frewer. Oh, my God, yes, especially since we... Because here's the thing. You can't introduce Crazy Lancelot <clears throat> and disenchanted uh, Sir Galahad and Judson as Merlin and, and um, you know, and Charlene as Nimue or whatever they were going for there. And not actually, at some point, actually just straight up give us, in maybe a flashback episode, their version of the Arthurian legends. Yeah, I mean, I want to see that. And, uh, and um, she wasn't Nimue, she was Guinevere. Okay, ooh, even better. Okay. Uh, okay. Although Nimue would have been really, really interesting. Um, yeah, the reason the reason I thought she was Nimue is because she was she was the love of Judson, and Judson was established as Merlin. So now nah, nah, she's Guinevere. Okay. Um, that, that 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 would explain Galahad's reaction. Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's um, I'm, I'm just really looking forward to that show generally. Uh, so again, it's another group of characters that I hanging out with. Um, yes. You know. I you know I even I even like uh, the thief the Australian oh, yeah. guy. Oh yes, and, they're they're all growing on me. They're all growing on me. Yeah, no, but the the thief was the one that I had issues with to begin to begin with. So I thought it was going to be kind of a little bit too shallow. But over the period of the, of the last few seasons, he's really grown. Yes, he has. He has quite a bit of depth to him. Um, whereas he started off with very, very shallow beginnings. Um, I always liked Stone. <laughs> yes, Stone. Stone was perfect. Um, um, and um, yeah, no, it's 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 perfect. Oh, one, and one of the episodes they have coming up, and I should imagine this will be quite an early one. Is they're going to run into Santa's brother? 
Yes, yes, that would be fun. I, I just thought that would bring Santa back as well. But I, yes. I don't think they'll be able to get him from, from Ash versus Evil there. But, you know, he was yeah. a fun scene. Oh, that's but... right, that's right. Because, oh my gosh, yeah, oh, he's busy. Crap, that would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. But that was an awesome episode in the first season way back there. It was, it was. I love that episode. Um, but Santa's brother, I wonder who they're getting a Santa's brother. I mean, you know, if they if they had the money to do it and uh, if he was available uh, to get Paul Giamatti. Oh, he would be perfect. He would be perfect. Yeah. Because he played Santa Claus in that film, in that film, Fred Claus. Oh, that's right. Yes, he did. Um, so I think he'd be brilliant as Santa's brother. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I'm quite looking forward to that episode, and I should imagine that'll be sort of like one of the early episodes they show. Yeah, because they're coming back right, right for Christmas, just about. So yeah. you know, it'll, it'll probably literally be Christmas week by the time they get around to showing the second episode. So yes, yeah, it's going to be uh, that's that's going to be a fun ride. Um, so let's close the show out now with with some Star Trek stuff. Um, should we talk about Star Trek Continues first? Please, uh, we need we need to address continues, especially because of Discovery and Orville. So, well, we'll just we'll just do Star Trek continues and and uh, and Discovery. We'll skip the Orville. Uh, okay, because yeah, I'm not even watching that anymore. It's interesting because the the Orville had the structure right, but I didn't like the characters. And Discovery has an interesting story and and interesting characters, but they're still not Trek. So it's it's it's. I, I think that I think the characters are actually the stories are getting more track on, on Discovery. I, a little bit, a little bit, but it's it depends on how much you liked Deep Space Nine. I love Deep Space Nine. Okay, that explains it because because there were parts of Deep Space Nine that I only kind of tolerated. So I, I absolutely love Deep Space Nine. Me, Deep Space okay. Nine was the best modern track show. Uh, okay. I, I had okay, that explains it. I loved I loved Next Generation, but I did have a few issues with it because there wasn't really and you know, anywhere near as much conflict between different characters as they should have been. Yeah. Um but I, I did love the storytelling on, on the on on the, on, 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 on across all, all the shows. I just I just feel, you know, that the you know, with this with Discovery, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on. But they 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 say they say that they're taking this edict out where where um, Gene Roddenberry said that uh, the characters cannot be in conflict with each other. Now that thing only came into play during Next Generation because if you look at the original series, you know they were in conflict. They were, they were yeah. in conflict. Yeah, they were in conflict, but they were respectful and they were friends. Yes, you know, I mean. If they weren't in conflict, you'd never have had Bones calling calling Spock a green-blooded son of a bitch and stuff like that. Yeah, and and, and putting Star Trek aside specifically, that that template of Kirk, Bones, and Spock is the bromance template. That's the template you need to go by if you're going to write that kind of thing well. So, well, I think you know, it, it matters. I think we're getting that template in a little bit with uh, with Burnham, um, Tyler, and uh, and Tiggy. That's, a, that's, a, that's assuming that Tyler isn't a mole. But that's another whole other conversation. Yeah, that's that's going to be blown out of the water because Tyler is a mole. Yeah, um, it, it's sort of like, it, there's no disputing or hiding that now, based on what we've seen in the uh, in the finale. Um, no, let's, let's go. Let's go to continues first because I know that you know you really want to talk about that. I watched the final of two two. Episodes where I, I, I finished up weeping. I actually cried. Um, um. I, I didn't, but you know, there again, I, I'm I'm a man, and I don't do I don't shed tears for nobody or nothing. <laughs> nothing. No, I I nothing um. The thing is, structurally, you could kind of tell that that 
the deaths in the final episode were going to be the deaths because they're not characters that carried over to the original series. But even though you kind of knew it was coming, the specifics of what they went with were just gut-wrenching in the best way because they, they got the deaths they deserved. I kind of knew the council was going to buy it. As soon as Spot met her go over to the ship, I knew she was going to buy it. Yeah. And, and I knew it was going to, I kind of figured it was going to be a transporter accident, um, which is something we've not seen on Discovery yet. But we'll move back to that later on. <laughs> no. Um, uh, you know, but the the, um, the the whole transporter thing was quite jarring, and um, and I got a bit. I was getting a little bit emotional um, with that, and I thought, for God's sake, we end this scene already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the most impressive death, though, was was uh, Lieutenant Smith, um, because she was a character when they when they mentioned her holding holding um, Mitchell's hand in that pilot. There was a blonde named Smith. Um, holding his hand in the pilot. Mm-hmm. They kept that character. Um, and to have that be her end uh, was the, the ultimate fan nod because that's that's called continuity. That's continuity the hard way. It's quite clever that as well because uh, they, they've used a character that was already on screen one time in yes. the original series and they've actually given her quite quite a long run throughout. Uh, the, whole of this, the whole of her continues. Yes, you know, yeah. Um, well, I I just really enjoyed it. I I I, can't, I loved the way that they 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 went back to the sort of like uh, to where where no man to where no man has gone, gone, gone before. Yeah. In fact, in an interview I listened to, um, Vic Mignogna spoke to the, about the fact that in terms of these the special effects for the um, for the uh, the cloud that they go into to. to become elevated that cloud was created with the same special effects that they used for the original series mm-hmm. they went back and figured out how those specials those special effects were done with the original equipment i also and, loved, i also love the fact that they bought back the uh Robinson commander and they got the actress's daughter type. daughter oh my, I was like oh my god that's so awesome I mean, she looks so much like a mother as well it's just you know you could put them two side by side and you, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference so no no so it's just, uh, it's just incredible. Yeah, and the, the actress, Amy Rydell, spoke about the fact that she, when she took the role, she was actually the same age her mother was when she originally had the role. Wow. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's full circle and the most awesome. I mean, Star Trek Continues is how you do fan series. I mean, I, I fell in love with them when I saw that they had gotten Michael Forrest back as Apollo in the very first episode. I'm like, holy shit, these people care. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it, you know, and the other thing I've enjoyed about it is uh, their consistency with the casting. They've not missed, they've not recast anything, whereas um, on the um, on the Star Trek Phase 2, there was a rotating door of casting where you'd have different actors coming in to play Sumu and, and, and other characters. Oh, that would have been, I never, I never watched it, so that would have been annoying for and, me. And that was, I, hate, um, I hate that. That was kind of jarring, and there was also James Corey's uh, Kirk impersonation, which was, you know, it just sounded like the, the the stories that they did were were excellent, but I felt the acting was ropey at times with Phase Two. Uh, uh, yeah. Whereas I think the uh, I think I think continues just edged it on consistency. Yes. Um, yeah. And you know, and but that said, uh, you know. 
consistency, you know, the the, the, the actors, they're all professional actors, aren't they, in, in Continues, whereas... Yes, yeah, and you can tell that Vic Mignogna recruited most of them at conventions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, because, like, they were, you know, the, the actors on the convention circuit, and it was awesome. I thought that it was it was very wonderful, this, these final episodes, I've, I've got to say, Nicola Bryant absolutely crushed it as Lana in the final two episodes. Mm-hmm. Because um, I'm not that familiar with her work beyond Perry for Doctor Who, so it was really cool to see. Um, it was really cool to see her in something else, and to have her play the baddie like that was kind of awesome. She, she's a um, she, she's a damn good actress, Nick and Bryant, you know. Uh, but um, unfortunately, people don't get to see her on TV that much because she's mostly theatre. Uh, yeah, I think I read somewhere that she actually hurt her back. Uh, she and did. Um, and I, I yeah. seen her at a convention a number of years back, and she was walking with a cane. Uh, yeah, that, that explains why she's doing so much big finish. Apart from the obvious fact that she's connected to Doctor Who, it's a it's a gig that allows her to sit and stay still. Yeah. But, you know, she's um, you know, I've, I've seen I've seen her at a convention, and uh, my my experience of meeting her was generally pretty good. Yeah. Uh, no. I didn't really have that much interaction with with her back and forth because obviously, you know, at, at conventions with fans and stuff like that, you you're not going to get a great deal of interaction unless you've got unless you've got connections on the inside sort of thing. But yeah. My general yeah. experience of her, you know, she 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 was really really good um, and present with the fans and stuff like that, and she was even getting up on the dance floor, you know, and, and, and doing the time warp and everything, you know? Oh, wow, yeah, she so must have been feeling good that day. So she was yeah. sort of like, um, I, and to be honest, I think, you know, when when, when I did see her, the, the back injury, she, she was sort of like uh, coming towards the end of her rehabilitation. She was still using the cane a little bit, but not, not that much. Uh. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I... I didn't even realise it was her until until I looked at the casting afterwards and I thought, bloody hell, you know? Yeah, yeah. She's looking damn good for her age as well. She is, she is. Um, and I love that we got Colin Baker in that earlier one, in the, in the White Iris one, yeah, so... Yeah. It's been it's been a brilliant series. I mean, I I, I like the. Uh, I was a bit shocked that we that that we got the the final final one so soon after the penultimate one. Yeah, I think I think Vic Mignogna in that interview that I heard that I t- was talking about, he talked about the fact that um, the reason he chopped it to eleven was partly because of funding issues and partly because of the fact that the edict came down to C- from CBS. Um, after the Axenarf and Asiat fiasco, mm-hmm. um, he he would have he would have tried to do thirteen if he hadn't felt the fact that he was on borrowed time once the Axenar uh, guidelines came down. Yeah, I, I'm just hoping the Axenar guidelines don't remove any of the fan series that have actually already happened. You know, because obviously these things have their fans, and the fans are going to go back and watch them and rewatch them. And, yes, you know, yeah. I, I'd, I'd like them to be be out there in perpetuity for fans to go back to. You know, yeah, I think I think I think they'll leave Mignogna alone because he he's talked about the fact that he's very specifically got five hundred three five hundred three C C status and. Um, and and actually try to do it the right way. Um, my my one quibble is that because he was cut short, the original plan was thirteen episodes instead of eleven. I would have loved to have known what those were, those episodes we didn't get would have been about. 
Um, so. Oh well, maybe I can get him get him on here and interview him again sometimes. He's, he's, I, I, I hope so because he he is doing he's doing an original project for which he actually needs um, commercial funding. And I kicked him in. kicked him in for a five or four. Yeah. Um, is that about the train? That's the, the, when the train stops. It's a Twilight Zone esque short film. Yeah, I've been. I've actually been uh, been approached uh, with offers of interviews. And, and yeah, let's go ahead. Go ahead with that because that will allow him to do both. Talk about both projects. Well, yeah. I've wrote them back, and uh, I've not heard back from them yet. So what they, you know, they they said they had someone approach us on our Facebook group. Cool. Yeah, I kicked him. I kicked him a fiver because because if Star Trek continues as anything to go by, the their, this original project involving some of the same cast is gonna is gonna rock. So. Yeah, I mean, I um, I enjoyed the way the end of it. It was actually really, you know, I loved the way that you know Vic Mignana he, he became Admiral Kirk and he wore the new uniform, and we had those final scenes with Spock and McCoy, which tied in perfectly to Star Trek motion pitch. And what I actually did is, as soon as I I, I finished watching the finale of Star Trek Continues, I, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to pop Star Trek the motion picture in now because it just saw like. It fitted perfectly. It fitted perfectly. They, they put they put thought into that from beginning to end, and the fact that and the love showed through and the care showed through, and there's a there's a there's a level at which, as as interesting as discovery is in its own right, there's a level at which I'm actually preferring the independent stuff and the fan produced stuff to the corporate stuff at this point with some of these franchises. Um, and, I, and I'm sorry that the whole thing with CBS even came up. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think if Atsunara hadn't come up and done what they did, they, they, the fan film would have been left alone. I think so too. Um, they, and I, it was just the fact they raised millions of dollars and they used it to uh, open a new studio and stuff like that. It was just so, it was just really stupid. Yeah, no, and, and it's and it's. I mean, it's one thing to do stupid stuff, but it's quite another to harsh other people's mellows in the process. And our, our mellows have been harshed. And um, I'm hoping the, the folks at Axonar have learned some valuable lessons because we know that the folks like Mignana learned those lessons the hard way. Um, I just hope the folks at Axonar learned their lessons. Well, and, uh, Min didn't bring the lessons the hard way. Min approached them the right way from the get go. True. And, you know, also the fact that Min is actually in the industry has got to have helped him as well. True. Because he would yeah. have known, he, he would have known from experience, from having having worked as a voice actor and and as an actor and stuff like that. He would have known the legalities of what he could do and what he couldn't do. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, so like Star Trek continues and Vic Mignan. I mean, I think James Kerwin wrote a few episodes of, the, of it. And, and James Kerwin's absolutely an, an awesome writer. You know, he's yes, I, I absolutely. I've seen some movies that he did, um, you know, Tomorrow tomorrow Never um Yesterday, um, yesterday was a lie, or something like that. That was it. Yesterday was a lie. It was absolutely beautiful, and um, and uh, he's he's done some good stuff. So yeah, Kerwin, Kerwin was awesome. I also appreciated the fact that um, Vic Mignogna himself had some hand in every one of the episodes, even if he didn't write every word himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, that 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 continuity of vision really helps. You know, it's just been, you know, it's been like um, a true extension of the original series. I've really enjoyed it, and uh, I think, think generally the fans have too. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to let some time go by, but if, assuming the episodes stay up, I'm going to rewatch them from beginning to end at some point. 
Yeah, I'm gonna, you know, maybe during the Christmas holidays, maybe have a bit of a binge watch if there's nothing on. Which yeah. more often than not, there is nothing on all Christmas because uh, Christmas has been ruined now for me. Because on like uh, back when I was a kid, we didn't have sat- we didn't have sat on like TV or cable. So yeah, we'd get all these new new movies over Christmas, and then spend the entirety of Christmas watching all these new movies that I'd only been that I'd been that seen at cinema or hadn't seen. Yeah. Whereas now, yeah. by the time Christmas comes round, I've seen everything. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so there's never anything on like Christmas. Um, but, you know, there we go. Um, but moving from continues now, which actually, but, you know, was was perfect on sort of like that middle chapter between the original series and Star Trek motion picture. Um, let's, go, let's go to continues and uh, talk about uh, the, the finale of that. And, and all the various conspiracies that are going around. So I've got a feeling they're going to do where no man, man has bo- where, where no one's go, probably gone before with, with Stamets and uh, yes, his, yeah, his spot yeah. dry thing. Something, something is wrong. You know? And the, the, one, the one issue I had with that was that, um, is that they, they telegraphed it too much. I'm like, oh, for God's sake, you're milking it. Just have the accident. Do whatever you're going to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, me you know, there's absolutely no logic to him making that other jump. No, none, they, none. They, they should have just had him had, had him have the accident or had whatever happened happened on the last of the on the last of the hundred three jumps, and that would yeah. have made more narrative sense. It I mean, would have. I mean, the um, scene at the end where 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 you see Tyler being basically uh, raped by the Klingon. Before. I don't think I don't think that was rape. <laughs> I, I don't think that was rape. I think I think he was I think he was stopped. Yeah. Um, no, it's not stung, isn't it? It's uh oh, I forget the thing. I, I blanked. Yeah. I blanked. I've been keeping track of all the names. But yeah, I know who you're talking about. Well, I, I think I think he was a Klingon, and uh, all the torture as well, because we don't really get a proper look at the face of, of him while he's being tortured. So. No, I mean the the, the the first thought I had once. Because the whole um, mole, the cold Klingon mole thing hadn't had occurred to me, but once it once it came into came into view for me, I'm like, are we going to get a scene with the Tribble? Mm-hmm. Because we, because we know that Lorca has that Tribble has at least one Tribble that he yeah. keeps, and you you have to believe that he keeps that Tribble because it has the, the calming effect on the nervous system, sort sort of his uh, his. Um, his, his medication? Well, I've, I've actually got another area that's going to blow your mind. What? I, I don't think Mark is from this universe. I think he's from the very universe. And that's why he's that's why he's so keen to get elsewhere? Yeah. He, that, that could work. That could work. And it's also the, the whole the whole putting of Discovery. It's meant to be a science vessel, and it's turned it into a war vessel. Yes. Um, there's also the scene where he's, uh, where he's bumping ugnies with uh, Admiral Cornwell. Uh, yes. She notices some scars on his back which weren't there in, in her prior meeting with her. And uh, from what we're from what we're sort of like, from what we can gather, that that relationship's um, kind of like pretty on and off anyway. So, yes. So um, I. I I you know I've heard this uh th- this room has been going around. It's another theory that's going around that Mark is from the mirror universe. Yeah, that could work. You you know, you know something's going on with Lorca, because um, even 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 beyond the damage that he's copped to with Cromwell, uh, you you know that there's something more going on. You mean um, if, for, if if only because they cast Jason Isaacs, you know something more's going on. Because um, he would not have taken the role if it were just standard. Starship captain that wouldn't have interested him. Mm-hmm. 
So there's, there's got to be more. Um, yeah. So this is, there's, there's fallout, but I'm, I'm wondering with, with the Klingon mole, if we're actually going to get the Tribble reacting to him before anyone else does, because I don't think we've ever seen him in the same room with the Tribble. It depends on whether that Tribble is from our universe or the mirror universe. True. You know, because it's in the captain's office and, you know, it's probably from the mirror universe. It's probably a mirror universe Tribble. Yes. Because, you know, if, you know, because the, the other question is, if he's got that Tribble in his office, how come he's not got minions of them by now? I, that's, the, that's the other thing. What's he doing? Because they're, they're born pregnant. Where the hell are the others? You know, unless um, it's a neutered, unless it's a new triple that he's had neutered or something, but you know, it's sort of like um, if, if the solution was so simple, McCoy would have figured out how to neuter the tribbles and trouble the tribbles. Yeah, no, they're, they, it just it would have been done because this was prior to that. No, something something's going on here. Something is something is off. Um, beyond even the Klingon mole, I'm 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 getting the feeling that by the time this is finished. The Klingon mole is going to be the least of their problems. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I mean, also the, uh, the look of Ingons as well, and, and everything else. It's sort of like, it's quite, it's quite a lot of, you know, I've got a feeling it's going to be, you know, before we've proved it's sort of like going to be so, like, so many of the conspiracies are going to resolve that we're going to end up with more conspiracies, and that's what's going to happen to Series 2. I mean, I'm actually yeah. quite enjoying it, from, you know, from that point of view, from the point yes. of view that you've yeah. all these conspiracy theories, you know, surrounding it. Yeah. Um, so in in that sense, in that sense, I've actually really enjoyed the series, even though to to you personally, it's not very Star Trek. Um, I can't dispute that because I'm like, um, yeah, they've not got the right uniforms for the time period, but we don't know what they were wearing ten years before. Kurt. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And when we yeah. when we meet when we meet Captain uh, when we meet Giorgio. No, yeah. no, not Captain Giorgio. When we meet Captain Christopher Pike, we don't know if it's oh. ten years before or five years before Kirk. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You know, it could be five years before Kirk, and uniforms may have looked tonight with looking now on Discovery. Um, yeah. You know, or they may not. Um, we don't really know that. Um, I mean, obviously, the level of technology on the ship and stuff like that, and the, the things like holograms and stuff like that, we didn't have in the original series, sort of thing, but. It, they're always going to have problems with this. They ran into the same sort of issues with Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. I didn't particularly like Enterprise very much either. So, well, well, although Deep Space, Deep Space Nine was better than Enterprise by quite a bit. Well, but, Deep, uh, well to me, to me, Deep Space Nine was probably the best of the modern Trek series. Mm. Um, in, ter- in, ter- in terms of character dynamics, certainly. Yeah. yeah. In terms of character dynamic, um, the the whole emissary arc and the the uh, the Dominion arc, and that, yeah, the fact that they got the fact that they got Louise Fletcher as Kai Wen, like holy shit, that was massive. Yeah, I mean she 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 was weighing well over uh, one girl, but she was next, she? Yes, yeah. Um, so so there is there is that. Uh, I mean, also you had quite a, quite a few Broadway actors in there. You know, you had the Rene Albajonois, who's an outstanding actor. Yes, yeah, yeah. Thank you. They, they they had massive actors. They had massive actors um, that elevated everything. So I, I enjoyed the performance level stuff and some of the individual character dynamics. I just sometimes it got a little too dark for me. You know, but, you know that's that was understandable. I think the actors, it was supposed to be the darker series. Yeah. The actors have got with Discovery are fantastic as well. Um, oh God, yes, yeah, and um and a lot of them are staged because um yeah, no, it's. 
it's, it's good, sir. If you look at um, if you look at Star Trek Voyager, you know the the only the only two actors that had any sort of like pedigree for stage really was uh, Kate Mulgrew and, and maybe Bob Picardo and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, also, you know, not the you know um, a lot of the not of the actors. I, I think Voyager was you know from from the modern Trek perspective, Voyager was a weak link. It was. It was. They they meant well and they tried. They didn't quite get there. Yeah, they, they kind of they, they're kind of trying to straddle the fence between Star Trek the original series and Star Trek the Next Generation, and it didn't quite work. And and they kind of like um, they bought the bargain and weakened them even further as a, as yeah. a young villain. Yeah, villain decay is never a good thing. You know, it was big in, it was big in decay one oh one in that that respect that they kind of humanized the bar uh, too yeah. much. But that kind of happened with with TNG as well. Yeah, yeah, and Hugh Hugh had that rebellion of Bob and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We never really we never really seen that get resolved. No, we never did. Um, but it's just sort of like uh, I don't know. Discovery, I, I've really enjoyed the first. Uh, first it's, it's it's growing on me. It's growing on me. I've, I've enjoyed the first nine episodes. Uh, I I went into it cautiously, um, as you know. I mean, I was um, I was kind of like a bit skeptical because of the muck of the Klingons and everything else. But um, I think the writing has overall been pretty good. Even, yeah. You know, if if you ignore the fact that the spar drive isn't really real science. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, uh, that's bordering on the ridiculous. Uh, is a spar drive, but I. But what I want to see is I want to see an I want to see an episode where they where they have quite a bad transporter accident. Yeah, they need to have that they because because um, transporters are are twitchy are twitchy under the uh, under the best circumstances. I mean, there's a reason why they established McCoy as absolutely loathing them. Mm-hmm. It's because it's because he he had either direct or indirect experiences of. You know, of the system just completely going wrong. Yeah. So. And you know, they 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 have the transporters to their credit in the Enterprise. They have the transporters uh, as a BB and Twitchy in that as well. Yes, because they were they were newish. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, in in, in Enterprise, we're already using them really for cargo until they started using them for each other. So. Yeah. And then that was only under duress, yeah. Um, but it's just, um, I'm, I'm kind of, in, I'm enjoying it. Um, I can't wait to see how it's all resolved and uh, see where it ends up. And I'm kind of just hoping that the writing gets better and better. I think it will. Um, I'm, I'm upset that Brian Fuller had to leave, but I think he established enough in terms of the basic mythology before he left that they'll, that they, they can work through it. I mean, I'm just wondering what the second season is going to be like, and who's going to who's going to be returning. Yeah, that's interesting too, because Brian Fuller's original concept was um, an anthology series where where they would get one season arcs, you know, throughout Star Trek, throughout uh, Starfleet history. Yeah, I mean, sure. yeah. I think I think he wanted to do do one in you know ten years before Enterprise, ten years before before the original series, and do do stuff between the original series and Next Generation and and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. He got overridden, and so what we're what we're left with now, what we're watching now, is a series where CBS decided no, we're going to keep with the same set of characters. So I'm hoping that the writing remains strong with the second season, if only because. Fuller's original plan wasn't for a second season per se with these characters. I think Mark is going to be, you know, Mark is probably likely to be downgraded and recognized to appear it. He'll he'll have to be because I can't imagine I can't imagine um, Jason Isaac staying for very much longer. He, he doesn't do 
regular serious work as as Americans as Americans understand it. And so also, uh, I'm not sure whether Burnham's going to stick around or not. Yeah, her her arc is going to be interesting because she was rightfully convicted for life for treason. So she her ending point is unless she's unless she's killed, her ending point is whatever's left of her life in tre- in prison. Mm-hmm. So how you know. I, I don't know how how much farther that can go. Not unless, not unless her actions are dealing with Martha and whatever, you know, redeems her in the eyes of Starfleet to the point where they they recommission her as an officer. But, that could happen, but it's it's going to have to be it's going to have to be massive. It's going to have to be massive. And you're right, whatever it is will probably involve downgrading Lorca because even if we're wrong and he's not a mirror universe version of himself, the fact is that. Cromwell's Cromwell's reaction to what's going on Cromwell. is going to downgrade him, if nothing else. Yeah, it's Cromwell. 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 Yes. Not Cromwell. Cromwell. I'm thinking Cromwell because of Star Trek: First Contact. Yeah, it's yeah. Cromwell. Well, you know, Cromwell was also uh, also an uppity round an uppity roundhead. <laughs> Oh, that's that, true. Uh, that tried to be Well, didn't yeah. try successfully dethrone the uh, monarch. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think the, the admiral is is even if we're wrong in terms of the conspiracy theory, the admiral has it in for him for legitimate reasons, and I think she's going to have a huge say in whether and what happens going forward once they get back from this. And who who knows if he's not from the mirror universe originally, and he just did this to delay because you, you notice he he went into that final jump, manipulating Stamets in that final jump once he found out that the admiral was going to survive. And he knows the admiral has it in for him, so maybe he figured the final jump or whatever was going to happen would, would delay them enough to keep the admiral off his back for a while. Yeah, I don't think the admiral was going to uh, go go into that right away. Though. True. She she seems to be quite clever on this armor, and I don't think she's going to act as icily as you may think she's going. Uh, mm, true. I mean, I, I just, uh, you know, I've got a feeling that if Burnham isn't kept around, she's going to be killed. And the reason I think that is, why did Spock never mention that he had a half-sister? Because he, he would, yeah, you, you would think that he would mention that. A, a human mother and a human half-sister. Yeah. Foster sister or something, you know. That's, that's, that's a massive character beat right there. Unless she was disgraced in the eyes of Starfleet and uh, you know sentenced to life imprisonment, I didn't want to talk about her. You know? That's that's the only thing I think of, but that that still doesn't explain what her final fate is. Yeah. So yeah. Well, you know, may, maybe her final fate, you know, is, is is to be written out, which leaves leaves the uh, leaves the question: um, who, who takes over Discovery into season two? You know? Well, the interesting the interesting thing is when Stamets first started to really really go south there, and he didn't know where where or when he was. He looked at Tilly and called her captain. Uh-huh. And Tilly has been established as someone who is wants to be on the captain's track. That's her whole big arc with Burnham, and you know why Burnham was trying to whip her into shape and stuff. So I'm wondering if after enough period of after a few seasons, things shake out to where Tilly is the captain. I can't see that happening myself, um, unless they make her captain in the second season. They set the second season, so it's all maybe two, three years after this, they, which they might do, depending on depending on how the degree to which they have worked out the um, over life over overarching Bible for the series. So. I mean, I, I got a feeling that Saru might end up being out. He might, yeah. And and poor Saru. I was so sorry for him. He's been just going through shit, even by the usual standards. 
just you know, it's just um, it's just something something about Saru. They seem to have been grooming him to take the captaincy since uh, you know since since the second episode, second proper episode. Yeah, so, yeah. After the like his his whole arc screams it. Yeah. No, whereas uh, I don't think Stamets is going to be around. With us. No, and the actor who plays him, Anthony Rapp, is is very much a theater person. He inter- originated uh, a role in Rent. Uh, back in the day, so he's yeah. very much theater oriented, and I don't know that he's going to want to stay around for a seven year run. He's uh, just... in the movie adaptation of Rent as well. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yes, he was. Uh, I think he was um, the guy with the glasses, right? The uh, nerdy looking guy. Um, hmm. That's because I, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, it's been a while, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all, all wraps up next year when back. Mm. And, uh, can't wait to see it. Uh, but obviously, I think I think that uh, whatever you think about the show relative to Star Trek, I think the show in itself is actually extremely good. Um, and, it, and it's worth watching. Anyway, it would be science fiction worth watching in itself. So, um, so I'm, I'm I'm very pleased with it on that level. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's certainly a lot better than, than a lot of stuff that's been out. I mean, I, I actually rate it over the reboot of Star Galactica. Yes, it's better than that. Um, I, I, I had a lot of issues with uh, the original, with the, that, that remake. They did a lot of good stuff, and then they did a lot of convoluted stuff, and a lot of stuff they didn't need to do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, talking about reboots and stuff like that, uh, before we close the show, I want to give a little plug to a new article that we're going to be running on Sci-Fi Pulse. And I was going to ask you um, whether you'd be interested in doing one of these. Uh, we're doing, um, we're doing a, a series of articles... Um, it's going to start. Nick's going to start it off with a uh, with Quantum Leap, and it's a uh, it's called reboot, reimagine, or uh, you know, re- re- it's called revive, reboot, or reimagine sort of thing. And um, basically, we make a case for a science fiction show of old. Uh, you know how how it could be revived, or how it could be rebooted, or how it could be reimagined. Um, but we're, we're doing a, I'm doing a little plug for it right now because the first one that we're going to be doing is about Quantum Leap. Uh, going to be doing that one. Uh, yes. But it's um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be the, the idea is to run this every two weeks, so it's not going to be something that we do every week. Because obviously, there's going to come a point where we run out of franchises to reboot, reimagine, or or revive, or whatever. Yes, uh, the the one I want to see again really badly is Manimal. Uh-huh, that that'd be a good one actually. Yeah, because because we there are, there are so many themes they could have done that they just didn't get around to. To say nothing of the improvements in technology. Mm, so I mean, you know, like uh, Manimal, he, he was he kind he was kind of like born with his powers. As in, we we have the hint that he got he got these powers from from this African island that he went to. We never see yeah he, he yeah. Sort of thing. So you know that that'd be a good one. I mean, it could it could also tie in with HG uh, Wells and stuff like that. But that's um, that that's a new thing we're doing on Sci-Fi Post. Um, I'm not sure when the first one's gonna be ready. Uh, Nick and I still sort of uh, back and forth in an email about it. And the the general idea is, you know, whoever writes the article, we choose whether we're gonna reboot, reimagine, or revive sort of thing. And you know, it's just the one option that we got to go with. Okay. And uh, okay. we go with how 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 it could be done. Who we might see cast in in the various roles, and uh, and how we think it would work. Okay. So that's uh, all for this week's show. 
So um, we'll see you again soon. We've got other guests lined up. Um, hope you enjoyed the show. We have the um, we're going to be recording the year in review shortly after Star Wars. I'll have that coming up towards the end of the year. Uh, but for now, that's it for this week. So we'll catch you later. Bye.